and good morning. morning. It is a joy to see all of you today, and it's a joy to worship with you on this beautiful morning. I hope you guys have been enjoying the July sermon series as much as I have. Have you been enjoying it? It has been wonderful for me to hear all of the favorite scripture passages from my clergy colleagues, and it's been just a joy to be able to explore all of my own favorites. Because as others have mentioned, it is so hard to narrow it down to one. It is so hard to to think about, of all of the things that I've learned, what is the one thing to focus on on this morning? But while it may be hard to narrow down those, those choices, I've got to say it's also a joy. It has been so wonderful to swim in this amazing ocean that we call Scripture and to consider the many beautiful and profound passages and verses that are there that have meant so much to me, that have helped to form me and shape me and make me who I am. And so here is what I've picked out from Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. And I invite you to rise in body or in spirit as you're able for the reading of Scripture. Hear these words of Paul. I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know both how to be abased and how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Now, outside of the verses that my grandmother taught me when I was really, really little, this verse is probably one of the first ones that I ever really learned. And I learned it when it was the theme of our Youth Week back in maybe 1982, I'm thinking, although I could be off by a year or two. But it was Youth Week, and it was my first year to be a part of this youth group that I had joined. It was really my first time being a part of any youth group. And during our school year, most of the time, all of our activities in this youth group were related to the things we did on Sunday night, UMYF, United Methodist Youth Fellowship. And we would have the occasional activities or the retreats at Camp Sumatanga. But mostly, we would just get together on Sunday nights until summer came. And when summer arrived and we all had time on our hands and we were looking for things to do to fill our time, our youth director decided to have Youth Week a single week that was completely full of activities and and things to do around the church in local parks at the homes of members. We stayed busy all week long. And it was one evening 
during this week as we sat by the lake and we sang songs that I gave my life to Christ in a new way and began to develop a relationship with God that I wouldn't have thought was possible. And each day of that week, we were reminded of the message of this theme verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, my imagination were, was particularly captured by these words and the possibilities that they held. And I'm sure a lot of that was because of just the time of life that it was for me. I was in the middle of my high school years and filled with the knowledge of all of the possibilities that were a part of those years, as well as all of the challenges. And these words just stuck with me. I clung to these words knowing myself to be in Christ and claiming these words that in Christ I could do all things. And I, I held to these words, not only in those years, but for many years after, through my college years, through getting married and receiving my call and attending seminary and in my years of ministry, I held to these words that encouraged me and that drew me to things that I might have once thought was impossible because I remembered that in Christ I could do all things. And then I reached a time in my life when I began to think about these words a little bit differently. I was in my mid-30s when I first made the acquaintance of two beautiful human beings, and Todd and I went from being a married couple to a family of four. And it wasn't long after these two beautiful human beings became a part of our family that they received a diagnosis. And this diagnosis meant that they could not do all things, that there were limitations to what they could do, limitations that would affect their lives and ours. And I probably don't exactly need to tell you that that began many new conversations with God. And I began to ask exactly what does all things mean? When autism became a part of our family, along with all of the changes in the expectations for our children, I had to ask just how does God mean for us to do all things. Because until that moment, I hadn't really had to think about it. I had never had any kind of involvement with people who are different, people who aren't able to do things that many others can, often have to think of things differently, right? These kind of people are often given a title, disabled. And I'd never been defined by that word myself. I'd never been called disabled. I'd never been close to anyone who was. I'd never had to think about all that it meant or any restrictions that it would place on my life or on those who were dearest to me. And it made me wonder just how God looks on all of this, this God through whom all things are supposed to be possible. Now, I've heard that people with disabilities are sometimes spoken of as differently abled. 
And I admit that when I first had heard those words, I used to think that that was just sort of a euphemism meant to take away the sting of what we or a loved one couldn't do. Until it caused me to think differently. After all, I've never been physically disabled. I've, I have no physical disability. I've never worn that title. I don't need a ramp, for instance. I can climb these stairs perfectly easily with no assistance and no change to the way that they're built or structured. But what if these stairs were suddenly 12 feet tall? Suddenly I would find myself with a significant disability. And so then I have to realize that I am not able because I can climb stairs. I am able because these stairs are meant for me. They were made for my ability, for my height, for my feet. For most of us, we don't have to ask for help because our world is shaped for us. And so we have to ask, what is disability then other than not being able to do what is before you? being challenged to navigate a world that was built for others with dis different abilities maybe than yours are. And it makes me wonder, why do we even have stairs when everybody can use a ramp? Why in our world do stairs even exist? And I have to wonder, what does disability mean except that those who bear that label have to live in a world that just isn't designed for them? Can any of us really do all things if we live in a world where everyone clearly can't? And I wonder if we were to ask God about this, why are things the way they are? It makes me wonder if God's even read Philippians 4.13. Does he know this piece of the contract? Why are things, why are there things that people can't do. And if we ask God this question, I wonder if God wouldn't respond, why have you built the world as it is? Couldn't you maybe do things differently? In Psalm 139, another one of my scripture favorites, we are reminded by the words of the psalmist, it was you, God, who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. In these words, we're reminded that God's care in forming us in God's deep and profound love for us exactly as we are, as we were meant to be, that we were made, each one of us, with intention, and we are deeply loved. Sometimes we speak about people who have disabilities as being high-functioning, and when we say that, we mean that they have certain areas of giftedness, and those gifts might balance any challenges that they have. And when I hear these words, I wonder sometimes if there aren't echoes there for each one of us. After all, who among us doesn't have deficits that make our world a challenge? And who among us doesn't have gifts? 
are we able to recognize and to accept those gifts in ourselves and in each other, even if those gifts aren't what we had expected? A little earlier, as we read the scripture passage, I invited you all to rise in body or in spirit, and you all graciously did that. The truth is that we can't all stand, but we can all rise. And it's the Apostle Paul who tells us this message. Paul founded the church in Philippians, who this letter is written to. He founded this church in, in Philippi on his second missionary journey, and from the writing of this letter, we can tell that this congregation has a special place in Paul's heart. It is a happy relationship that seems to be filled with joy and with mutual affection. It isn't true of all of the letters Paul writes. If you've read the letters to the Corinthians, for example, you might know that some of the churches that he worked with had conflict among the members, some even with Paul himself. And Paul speaks of writing to them, in his own words, tearfully. But not the Philippians. The Philippians is a church where he feels love and appreciation and joy, even though he is writing this book from prison. He's in prison when he writes it, and we know this because it's one of the first things that he says. He writes this in his greeting. And you would think that in the middle of these circumstances, Paul would be really unhappy, but he's not. Paul speaks of joy. In fact, this book may be one of the happiest books in our Bible because Paul not only speaks of joy, he calls the Philippian congregation to feel it and to practice it as well. In four short chapters, Paul uses the words rejoice and joy again and again and again. And you would think that this wouldn't be in a place that you would think Paul would be miserable, and yet he loves the Philippian church, and they love him, and they show him that love. They have sent gifts, and they've helped to support him in his ministry and his journeys, and they've shown him their concern again and again, and they've let him know that he didn't travel alone. And in this passage that we read just a few minutes ago, Paul is talking about those gifts. He is expressing his appreciation for their generosity and their love, even though he is saying that he has learned how to be content in any situation, that he can endure having much or little, being hungry or empty or full. But he goes on to say, I rejoice that you have revived your concern for me. You were concerned for me, but had no opportunity to show it. But it was kind of you to share my distress. He writes about how they had helped him in his mission to Macedonia, in Thessalonica, how he had received all that they had sent him because they had sent him material support, but more important was that they had sent constant reminders of their love. And they reminded him 
that whatever his circumstances, he was not alone, that he could do all things through Christ, through the body of Christ, through the church, his community of faith, his family. And so when Paul says, I can do all things, he's not making a claim to be Superman. He is reminding the Philippians that together there was nothing they couldn't do. No circumstances that were too hard, no obstacle that they couldn't get past, nothing they couldn't accomplish because they were in it together. And this is true of us, of the church. With the power of God and the help of our family of faith, there is nothing we can't accomplish, and that means everybody, everybody has a part. Families with individuals with disabilities make up the greatest unchurched population in the United States. A full 80% of families who have a member with a disability have no church home. Many feel that they have no place in a building with a cross and with a steeple, sometimes because they can't manage the physical space, because it isn't accessible, it's not made for them. But other times, they imagine that they're not welcome. Or worse, they have had an experience that made them feel that this place wasn't a place for them because they were considered disruptive or because it was assumed that they couldn't understand well enough or because their gifts weren't valued or because they were just different, because they didn't fit or because others just didn't know what to do. On a Sunday morning in a former church that I served, one of the kindest members of the church came and greeted me and Todd with a friendly good morning. And then she turned to the two boys that were with us that we were fostering at the time, and she greeted them in the same way, saying good morning and mentioning them by name. And then she didn't say anything else. And she went on her way and didn't say anything to the other two members of our family who were with us, the ones who might not have been listening as carefully or who might need to be prompted to answer. And she didn't mean to be unkind. She just didn't know what to do. But we know that it shouldn't be that way, right? We know that this is the place where not only is everyone welcome, but every person is viewed as a gift. And all of our gifts that we bring are valued. This is the place where we make room at the table in the study group, in the choir, in the congregation, 
where everyone has a place, where all together we are able to receive the blessing of community. Now, many of you know, we are already working to make a place here at Athens First. We have a ministry that's already going named Agape, which stands for all God's abilities, purposefully engaged. And this group of members works to incorporate our children and our youth of all abilities into the life and the activities of our church. And our goal is to reach even farther until everyone has a place. And this ministry has some wonderful leadership and has some great volunteers. But as great as all of our volunteers are, I hope I don't need to tell you that it's not just their job, right? The work is all of ours. Amen? It belongs to all of us. The task is ours as the family of God for all people because we are able. We are able because of what we can do together. We all have a part in the places where we may feel disabled and in the ways that we are gifted. There is a place for each one in the family of God, because God has carved that place that is just for you. Now, with respect to our newest clergy member, Natalie, in our family, we love jigsaw puzzles. <laughs> we love them. We love putting them together. We love the various colors and patterns that are there. We love watching the, the, the picture emerge. And sometimes that's a really easy thing to make happen. As you all know, some puzzles are easy. Sometimes when you see a piece of the puzzle that is white with pink stripes and a blue background, you can put it together with other pieces of the puzzle that are white with pink stripes with a blue background. But sometimes it's not quite as easy. Sometimes the patterns get confused and it's not easy to tell which piece goes where. And you have to figure out where each piece goes by looking at the shape of it. Which pieces have sharp corners? Which pieces are rounded? Because only one piece can fit in each space. That's how particularly they are cut. Each space is meant for only one piece. In the family of God, there is a space that is shaped like you. It is shaped like your gifts and like your challenges. It is shaped like your talents and your struggles. And it is a place for you. And it is here. And if you can hear my voice, and I hope that you already know that, Let's go tell the others. Because it is together that we can do all things. It is together that we can be the body of Christ in a world that is desperately needing to know that there is a place. It is together that we can decide that no one is defined by their lack of ability and no one's gifts are ever 
wasted. Together we can decide that all are welcome. Together we decide that everyone belongs. Together. Together. This is how, through Christ, we can do all things. Let's pray. God of us all, give us love that opens us up as wide as your heart. Give us the vision to recognize the gifts in others and to see the gift that is one another. Remind us that together we can do all things. We can follow your calling and we can make a place for everyone until all are seated at your feast of love. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. <laughs>